Welcome to Rowdy Southern Saturday. We're excited to roll out the same great show you've been enjoying for the past two years under this new name. Thank you for continuing to support us and our love for college football. Let's get rowdy. We're back uh, one week after having been Chase on, the record holder for most college football games attended in a single season at 77, including the national championship. Uh, we are back. We got Matt. We got Chad. We got Keys. We got the entire gang. Uh, this is the first time all of us have been on here in quite a while, right? Yeah, first time this year, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, last time was uh, we, we had one before the national championship, did a little preview. Um, obviously we haven't talked about the national championship since, but, uh, we were about to get into some sec East, uh, grades this week. We'll go through team by team, uh, give our grade on how we think each team did this season, uh, based on what our projections were for them. Uh, I'd myself do a schedule prediction and I usually do one in like January, do one in like July and then one in August. Uh, so I'm going to base mine off the one in August, but. Um, and we'll talk about the national championship when we do that. But before that, how's everybody doing? It's been a while since we've all been together. Doing good, man. Just staying busy. Uh, you know, it's that time of year in Georgia, state of Georgia. High school baseball starts really early. It's a winter sport. So uh, I've been been getting after it out there on the on the diamond already. And uh, per usual, Mother Nature has not been been kind. Uh, already had two rain days. So. Um, it's gonna gonna be a, a fun year, but you know, transitioning from the the, the Christmas season right into into the winter at, at, in January, it's always like immediately uh, the craziest time of year for me. So I'm gonna be slammed busy, and I'm gonna blink, and it's gonna be May. But glad to be on the podcast and ready to to shoot out these grades. Chad, how are you, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing very well, and much like Matt, man, my world is my world is crazy right now. I got I got a little brother who's a senior in high school who uh, who's wrestling for a state championship this weekend in Gainesville, Georgia. Um, talk more about that later. But uh, between between my little brother being a high school wrestler, and then I'm I like Matt. I'm not a coach, but I am a referee, so I'm getting ready for high school lacrosse season. High school lacrosse practice started yesterday. First day of the state of Georgia allowed the kids to get out there and practice and scrimmages start in three weeks and then games start in a month. So I'm about to about to be running all over the place and uh, looking forward to it, man. I really, really enjoy it. Uh, never got an opportunity to play lacrosse in high school because we didn't have it and I always wanted to. So I really, really look forward to the lacrosse season and getting an opportunity to, to stand out there on the field and be around those kids. It's thoroughly thoroughly enjoyable enjoyable experience and believe it or not georgia's very slept on in terms of, of lacrosse talent but uh, you know glad to be back on and college football's over sad but we still have the nfl and once the nfl is over you know for me i get nascar season right into it and then uh shortly after that the braves will be back so we're not slowing down anytime soon because i guarantee you we're going to be talking to braves on here at some point so yeah and summer's right around the corner um I myself, you know, had a good holiday season. Got to spend some time with some family. Uh, whole family's doing well. Uh, had some extended family come in town past couple weeks that I've had to hang out with, and that's been fun. Uh, but I don't know about y'all. I'm ready to talk about some football, college football specifically. I, I got a, a lot of NFL this weekend, and it made me miss the good old college Saturday. So we got the SEC East. Um, I don't know about y'all. I think we should start with Georgia. Number one, I feel like it's the easiest to grade you guys might disagree but um matt what do you think about georgia this year a plus 15 and 0 uh national championship back to back 
uh, D bag for a quarterback, but he played really well in the national championship. So uh, a plus, I mean, it's really easy to grade Georgia. They're young on defense too. I mean, I, and if you look at their schedule for next year, they're not going anywhere. So uh, Kirby smart has built a, a uh, Alabama East officially in, in, in Georgia, a plus on Georgia. That's an easy one. Yeah, uh, A plus. I mean, there's not really a whole lot to say about Georgia. I mean, I, you know, I think I might have more time spent talking about Vanderbilt here later on in the show than I will about Georgia. I mean, it's everything Matt said. 15 and 0. Stetson Bennett came back, and regardless of my opinions about him personally, the man had a fantastic year on the field. Uh, absolutely dominant win over TCU. Some holes in that young secondary, as you kind of saw uh, Ohio State exposed a little bit, but that's a young defense. Georgia's bringing a lot back. Georgia's also going to put out a lot of talent in the draft, but might be a little bit of a transition year next year with a uh, young quarterback and either Carson Beck or Vandegrift or Gunner, whichever one. There's a lot of guys to choose from in that room taking over. But, you know, what else is there to say? We'll talk about a Georgia preview later on. But for now, great in 2022, 2023 season, man, Georgia's got an A+. plus. They did everything they said they were going to come back and do, and they, they did it and didn't really have a hiccup along the way. So not much to say. A-plus for the dogs. Yeah, obviously, of course, I'm going to give them an A-plus. Uh, this is probably the best – this was the best season I've ever seen Georgia had in, in my history. The last two seasons have been. Um, so I was pretty happy about it. I will call myself out, though, because uh, I did believe Georgia would take a step back. I had Georgia finishing third, uh, losing to Alabama. I had them going 12-0. But I'm losing to Alabama in the SEC championship, and then I had them losing to Ohio State in the Peach Bowl. So I did predict that Ohio State and Georgia would be in the Peach Bowl. I just picked the wrong winner. So uh, I'll take the heat on that one. Um, obviously, I was super happy about it. And I think the only discussion I would like to have about Georgia and the question I'd like to throw out there to you guys who, as non-Georgia fans, you guys probably have a more less biased opinion about this than I do. Would you guys call what Georgia's doing right now a dynasty? Or would you say this is like a step in the right direction toward a dynasty? I think dynasties have to be viewed in like four to five year windows. Uh, so it, it's definitely a step there. And I, I would say I would say that they are potentially in the midst of a dynasty. But I think you have to look at it in a five-year window or four-year window. Like when – Saban won in 09 and then 10 wasn't good. Then one in 11, 12, three in four years, that's a dynasty. Um, you know, so I would say that, that Kirby smart is definitely in that range. Um, but I would say it, it's going to take another one in the next two or three years before we look back because dynasties are all about looking back and saying, Oh wow, look at that dynasty. And I don't think that right now, you look back at Georgia and call them a dynasty, you would say, hey, that's two really good years. What, 29 and one in two years? Uh, you know, that's 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 a hell of a two-year stretch. Um, next year, the year after, that's whenever it, you, you start really talking dynasty because it's all about, you know, retrospect, in my opinion. Yeah, I really – I don't have anything different to say than Matt just had to say. Uh, I think Georgia's on the track of trending towards a dynasty, but it's like Matt said, dynasties are talked about in past tense. We can't talk about dynasties in present tense unless you're talking about Alabama because Alabama's run has been sustained for so long now, and they're, they won a national championship as recently as two seasons ago. So, you know, an Alabama aspect, we can talk about it that way. You know, Georgia, I have, I don't think Georgia's going away. I think Georgia's, like I just said, absolutely trending in the direction of becoming a dynasty, but it's still too soon. You know, like to me, a dynasty is you have to have a sustained amount of success that is consistent year in and year out over at least a five, six, seven year period. Um, and Georgia's really only coming into about year four of that. Um, you know, they went to the national championship game. And then they went to the Sugar Bowl versus Baylor. And then they went to the Peach Bowl versus Cincinnati. And then they've gone back to back since. So they've been to three national championships in a span of five years. I don't think that makes you a dynasty just because you've been to one. I think you have to have won 
all of those, you know, if, if Georgia had won that first one against Alabama and had three in a five-year span, yeah, we can call them a dynasty. Um, but I don't think they're there yet because at the end of the day, I don't think this is going to happen, but Kirby Smart could, could fall off. There could be, you know, circumstances that happen outside of the game and life that could really change the direction of, of a program um, that is beyond control of football things. And, you know, if those things happen, you never know where it could go. So I want to see Georgia do, do it for at least two more years. And if they win another natty in the next two or three years, then yes. But at this current state, no, not yet. So I do actually agree with you guys. I don't, I don't think you could say what Georgia's done is dynasty right now. Um, I think it's well on its way. And obviously, I mean, I'm not going to go ahead and say it's going to be that because there is still Nick Saban. There is still Alabama. But I think that's the reason Georgia hasn't had a dynasty. I mean, if you look at what Georgia's done from 2017 to this year, if not for Alabama, it would have been a dynasty. And not because I think Georgia would have won five national championships in that time frame, even if it was different teams. Like if Auburn had won one in 2017 and if Ohio State won in 2020, you could say, okay, well, Georgia was there every single year. Like the only year that Georgia was not in the national championship discussion at the end of the season was 2020. So I would say Georgia had the dynasty going, if not for Alabama being the dynasty that they were. And you can't say a team's a dynasty when you have another dynasty sitting right next to them. So that's why I think it's not a dynasty. So so I agree with you guys. But hopefully 2020s are looking pretty good for the dogs. And maybe I'll see a couple more before, uh, or maybe one more before college football completely takes a turn on its head and who the hell knows what's going to happen at that point. So, moving on from Georgia, we'll head into last place in the SEC East. We got Vanderbilt. Matt, what you got for Vandy? You know, I'm actually going to give Vandy a, uh, a B-. minus. I thought that they played really good for Vandy. Like, in retrospect for what Vandy's been, they got two league wins this year, which was insane. I mean, they hadn't won a league game in two or three years. Um, so, is from, from a perspective of Vandy and what they are and what they should be. I'm going to give them a B minus because I thought they overachieved very much so this year on, on what they were. And I mean, I, I, obviously, you know, they didn't go to a bowl game. They didn't do any of that, but for what the Vandy standard has been the past few years, which hadn't been good, I'm going to give Vandy the B minus. I thought that they played really well this year in a lot of games and I mean, they held their own against Ole Miss. I mean, they made that game a four-quarter game. They held their own in other league games. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, look, Vandy's never going to be a dynasty. They're never going to be a powerhouse. But for what Vandy is, I thought this season was a massive success for Clark Lee. And I think that Vandy moving forward could use a little bit of this momentum. Obviously, they lost their uh, quarterback to the transfer portal. Um so, you know, it is what it is. Vandy's going to have their backs up against the wall. But just strictly going off of this season, for Vandy, B-minus is what I would give them. Yeah, I'm going to be right there with Matt, except instead of a B-minus, I'm going to give Vandy a B-plus. You know, they – man, I hate to say it but and remind myself of it and all the Florida fans out there, but they beat us. They beat us. They almost beat Missouri. And I know that almost beating someone doesn't – you know, do anything for you, but Vandy's played tough against Missouri. Vandy played tough against Ole Miss. Um, and playing tough against Ole Miss is is pretty significant when you look at where Ole Miss was at that point in the season. They were still undefeated and playing really well and had just beaten Kentucky. But, I mean, hanging with Missouri, those are games that Vanderbilt can win. And knowing that you're not – knowing that they're Vandy and you're always going to kind of sit towards the bottom of the SEC East – Missouri is right there with, I mean, and if you don't want to be seventh, you've got to win that game. Um, you got to win that game. And, and they, you know, again, I'm not trying to credit them for almost winning a game, but to be, if you want to look for an SEC win every year in your schedule, you know, Vandy has Missouri circled on there and they almost came away with it, but Vandy beat Vandy beat Florida. And that's a big, that's a big win for them. And they also went on the road and beat Kentucky and put themselves in a position to, Go to a bowl game. Those are two huge wins two weeks in a row uh, for Vandy. And Clark Lee, when you go five and seven after the way that that Derek Mason's tenure kind of ended 
and the disaster that it was with the whole Sarah Fuller thing. And it's just, mm, you know, it's, it's, it wasn't good. And for him to have the terrible season they had last year and then come out and get two conference wins um, against Kentucky and against Florida, you know, not the best Kentucky and Florida teams that we've ever seen, but you have to credit Vanderbilt for that. You have to credit them for that. I think Clark Lee is, is a great, a great coach because he was a player at Vandy and he knows what it's going to take to be successful at Vandy. And I think that they'll actually put, and you've seen them put resources into Vanderbilt um, with their new facility upgrades and things like that. And I think Clark Lee being alumni needs to push for more things like that, push the Vanderbilt brand. He did a great job this year. They didn't make a bowl game. If they had made a bowl game, I'd give them an A plus, but I mean, they still missed out and got waxed by Tennessee to end the year. Tennessee was a great team this year, but either way, Five and seven, positive step in the right direction for Vandy, B+. plus. See, what's funny is I feel like when Matt threw that B- minus out there, he thought he was going to be on the high spectrum. I'm higher than Matt is, too. I, did, I said a B. Um, and the reason I said B, honestly, I mean, five and seven is not a good season. I, it's, I mean, it's the SEC. It's a really tough conference. But you guys are right. Vanderbilt doesn't have the expectation of going nine and three, ten and two, year in and year out. So when they go five and seven – after doing what they did last year, that's incredible. Um, and one thing for me, too, is Clark Lee has forced Vanderbilt to pump all this money into the football program. Their recruiting is getting a lot better because of it. Their facilities, they're starting to work on a couple of facilities there um, and improve that to help out with recruiting. Um, and now you're starting to see a play out on the field where players actually care and want to win football games, and it's not just a disaster every time they step out there. So uh, B. Um, honestly, teetering on B plus for me. Uh, I had them going three and nine and zero and eight in the SEC, so they blew away my expectation. Um, and I think getting the win over Florida at home and getting the road win over Kentucky puts them in the right direction. So, uh, Vandy with a B. Uh, I think uh, Clark Lee would take that if he's more than likely listening to this podcast right now. And our next team, we got second to last in the SEC East. We have Missouri. Matt, what do you think about Missouri? You know, I'm going to give Missouri a C plus because they had a very weird season. Uh, it was kind of a roller coaster. Like they had the the beginning of the year where they get blown out by Kansas State, and it turned out that Kansas State was pretty good. But then they struggled against Abilene Christian. They had one of the most ugly losses I think I've ever seen against Auburn, where they had the fumble and then the missed field goal, and the, the, they they had that game won. Uh, and then they played Georgia the best that anybody played Georgia this year. They had Georgia on the ropes. Then they lose to Florida. They scrape by Vandy. I thought Vandy was going to beat them. And then they beat South Carolina, which I think is their best win that they had on their schedule. Uh, and then they just, the rest of the way out, didn't look great. Uh, and then they finished their season with a loss to Wake Forest. Uh, Eli Drinkowitz. I think it does an okay job. And I mean, like, who are you going to hire if you're Mizzou that is better than him right now? Uh, they gave him an extension this year and a good bit of money. But for what Missouri was, even when they first came into the SEC East, they won the SEC East uh, twice. They lost to Auburn and they lost to Alabama in the SEC Championship. Me, this is a disappointing year overall for for Missouri because I think that there were some games that they definitely left on the table. I think Florida's a game they left on the table. I think Auburn's a game they left on the table. And uh, Kentucky. I mean, Kentucky wasn't playing good football whenever they lost to Kentucky uh, in November. So um, I'm sorry. I mean, I mean, maybe that's a little harsh on my part uh, for Mizzou. I didn't think they were going to have an outstanding year. But if you look at Vandy's five and seven and Missouri's six and seven, I feel like Vandy had the better year overall. I'm giving Missouri a C plus. See, if you think you were being harsh on Eli, I'm going to be harsher. I'm going to give him a D. I'm not going to fail Missouri because Missouri made a bowl game, but I'm going to give him a D. Um, don't know if it, those are even still given out anymore. I think they were given out when we were in college, but if they still give out D's, I'm going to, I'm going to plop one right there beside Eli Drinkwitz. It's just so uneven. And it feels like ever since Eli Drinkwitz has taken over at Missouri, like I understand that it's a hard job and you're pretty much competing for that six and seven spot. 
in the SEC East alongside with Vanderbilt. And they're just trying to stay out of the cellar. But again, like they got the number one, they got one of the top receivers in the country as a true freshman. He wasn't even their leading receiver. At points, Brady Cook looked like he was a really solid quarterback and he would make some really solid plays. And frankly, I like Brady Cook. I can't believe Brady Cook didn't didn't transfer. Um, but, you know, Eli Drinkwitz, it's been three years and you've gone five and five, six and seven and six and seven. You know, I don't know what Missouri's honest expectation is. Um, but like Matt said, I mean, their first, their second and third year in the SEC, they won the East and went to the SEC championship game two years in a row. And ever since then, they just have kind of been run of the mill, kind of been whatever, nothing really special going on there. And and it just seems like, you know, you have to give Drinkwitz a D because at this point, like I said, five and five, six and seven, six and seven. There's no improvement, but there's also no regression. So it's just the same run of the mill over and over and over and over again. And I'm with Matt. I don't think you can fire him because I don't know who you're going to get to do anything different to come into Missouri and, and kind of turn it in the, in the opposite direction. But, I mean, they, they threw away the Auburn game. Um, bias here, but I'm going to disagree with the fact that they left the Florida game on the table because I sat right there and watched that game. They Their offense did nothing that game. Um but they got obliterated by Kansas State. They got a good win against South Carolina. They take Georgia to the wire. And then they have Kentucky at home. They rough the punter. Questionable call. But lose that game. Get obliterated by Tennessee. And then they beat Arkansas to get themselves bowl eligible to end the year. And, and then they go and they lose their bowl game to Wake Forest. And so it's just it's again, it's the same old inconsistencies of run of the mill, nothing real special, but nothing real terrible, just flat. I mean, I feel like that's a great word to describe Missouri season and the kind of the word around their program right now is flat. Where's the excitement? What's there to get excited about at Missouri? It Nothing changes year to year, season to season. It's the same. And, you know, that's what a D is. Uh, you know, you're passing, but barely. And I can't give Eli Drinkwitz in Missouri any more than that because, again, it's just flat. It, it is what it is. They went to a bowl game. Okay, golf clap. Whatever. You know, D for Missouri. I, I don't know what else to give them. Just too inconsistent. Chad, I don't know what school you went to that D was passing, but I actually failed a class. I failed two classes in college that I got Ds in. So, or I guess maybe I passed because I didn't fail. But I didn't get the credits. Yeah. I had to take them again. I had to take but one. Exactly. Tw- I had to take one three times. So let's 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 exactly. put that out there on the recording. That's uh, <laughs> my exact point. Missouri is not passing, but they're not failing either. But I see, I'm exactly with you. I think they're not passing, but they're not failing. I got them as a C. Uh, they in four of their losses, they were within a touchdown. Uh, that was against Georgia, Auburn, Florida, and Kentucky. Uh, they beat Arkansas. They beat a ranked um, South Carolina team. They did not have a good season. I projected them to go four and eight, uh, and one and seven in the conference. They ended up going six and six, and losing their bowl game to Wake Forest by ten, uh, which honestly was better than I expected them to do. So, I, they they exceeded my expectation, but my expectation was really low because I don't have a lot of faith in Eli Drinkwitz doing well. Um, so for me, they they got to see, but. If I was a Missouri fan, I would be very disappointed with how Missouri, where Missouri football is at. Because if you look at their roster this year, they were actually pretty solid. Brady Cook's not a stud at quarterback. They got some options there. Like Sam Horn, um, he's a freshman out of, uh, shoot, where's he from? Collins Hill. He's from Collins Hill, Georgia. Um, he's actually pretty solid. I've watched some of his tape before. I don't know why he's not getting an opportunity to play quarterback. Their receivers were awesome. They had a five-star receiver in Luther Burton. They had Mookie Cooper transfer from Ohio State. And they had Dominic Lovick, who's sitting on Georgia's roster now. I mean, they they got all these studs, and they just let everybody leave. So, uh, I don't know. They they definitely, they're a disappointing team, which is why I'm not going to give them higher than a C. Honestly, I'm going to say a C-. minus. Let me dump it down one real quick. Um, but I think they're above a D in the sense of like, all right, well, let's not fire the guy. I mean, Eli Drinkwitz, you know, he's, he's, he's doing what he can. He's bringing in the players. He's getting transfers. Um, even though this off season, he's been losing more guys than he's bringing in. 
Um, but I, I'm, I'm going to leave it at a C for now. I, I don't really see their program going anywhere. I don't think Drinkwitz is around that much longer. Like I gave him maybe three more years. Uh, but at this point, leave him at a C. Next team, we got Beamer Ball, South Carolina Gamecocks. Matt, what do you got? You know, I'm going to give I'm going to give South Carolina an A minus. Uh, for the most part, th- there were some inconsistencies. You know, I'm going to I'm going to drop it down. I'm going to give them a B plus uh, because they had the the game against Florida where it was just like, who is this? Um, but then obviously everybody remembers the Tennessee game where they beat the brakes off of them. And they follow that up with a win over Clemson. Um, South Carolina, to me, this year was very overhyped coming into the season uh, nationally. You know, there was a lot of national media pundits that had that game in Columbia against Georgia circled, and they were like, that's a game Georgia could realistically lose. I never saw that. I mean, I just never saw South Carolina as being that kind of threat this year. And it turned out that they were wrong. It wasn't Georgia that needed to be worried. It was Tennessee about going into Columbia. Um, So, to me, South Carolina and Shane Beamer are absolutely heading in the right direction. And, I mean, they they played well in the bowl game. They had, I think they had some opt-outs. But, you know, they played against Notre Dame. And, you know, you can say what you want about Notre Dame, but for where South Carolina is as an SEC program uh, on a consistent basis – South Carolina and Notre Dame aren't that far apart, and South Carolina played well against them. Um, beating on the road in Clemson, uh, a team that was on the verge of a potential playoff berth, beating Tennessee the way that they did at home, incredible wins. But then you had the Missouri loss at home where South Carolina just looked lost in that game. You had the Florida lo- the Florida loss where they just looked like they weren't even in the same league as Florida. And, you know, it, it was games like that. And then the Arkansas game, it was early in the year when Arkansas was still, you know, pretty pretty good and healthy. South Carolina was just a team of inconsistencies to me, but they were very much on par with where they were supposed to be, which was why I'm going to give them a B plus. Um, I was thinking I was going to give them the A-, minus, but the inconsistencies to me drops them from an A-, minus to a B plus because you know you you can't lose the game to Missouri the way that you did and expect that to be uh anything especially with everything that we just said about Missouri and uh look you know I think Shane Beamer is a phenomenal coach uh he is perfect for the South Carolina job he is a gamecock through and through and he bleeds it he loves it and and I think he's going to do a phenomenal job and he's done a phenomenal job so far but you know for where South Carolina was hyped preseason to what they finished, I think a B plus is very fair, um, and and I'm excited to see what Shane Beamer can do moving forward. Matt took away their A minus, so let me stamp it right back on there. I'm giving South Carolina an A minus. Um, you know, I hate to kind of keep repeating what Matt said, but it's just kind of true. That's how it went. Uh, South Carolina. South Carolina, like Missouri, was inconsistent, but it's almost like South Carolina. South Carolina did what they did at the end of the year, and the way Spencer Rattler played in the last three games of the season against Tennessee, um, Clemson, and Notre Dame in the bowl game made you completely forget everything that happened that was inconsistent and bad in the the first half of the year. Um, and, and you know, let's not forget this is a South Carolina team that you know didn't exactly run away from Georgia State to start the year in week one. In fact, if I remember correctly, South Carolina was only up 12-7 to against Georgia State at the half. This was not a good Georgia State football team this year. Um, Like Matt said, I I, I don't blame them for the Arkansas loss early on in the season. Arkansas, when Arkansas was healthy in the beginning of the year, Arkansas was a West contender. And – you know, disagree or agree with that if you want to, but it's to me it's reality. When KJ Jefferson was healthy and that Arkansas team had everybody together, that was a really good football team, and I wouldn't have wanted to play them, especially in Fayetteville at the time. And Arkansas embarrassed them, so I don't think that's a bad loss. I never saw them beating Georgia. You know, talent gap right now between those two way too big. Just is what it is. It's going to take time, and, and Georgia's miles ahead of, of South Carolina. Like, they're pretty much miles ahead of the rest of the East right now. Um, 
But then everything, of course, kind of started to turn when they beat Kentucky. Yeah, they beat Kentucky when Kentucky had their third-string quarterback, but let's not act like Kroger Field's the easiest place to go play in on the road because it's not. Um, big win over Kentucky. I know Texas A&M was not who they were supposed to be this year, but I think that win at home against Texas A&M, regardless of, of what happened, was was their mar- was one of the marquees before the end of the year happened. Like that was going to be the win for South Carolina going into the offseason if they wouldn't have got the ones at the end. The Missouri loss, inexcusable. Um, did what went to Nashville, did what they had to do the week after that and beat Vanderbilt. So nice recovery. You know, the Florida loss, that was an anomaly. That was an anomaly, especially when you look at the way the next two weeks of the season went for both those teams. Florida turns around and loses to Vanderbilt and Florida State and then loses their bowl game. And then South Carolina turns around and erases everything that anyone remembered about going to Gainesville and beats Tennessee. Spitzer Rattler plays like a freaking Heisman contender, destroys them at home, goes to Clemson on the road, and finally wins the Palmetto State rivalry. Played a hell of a game against Notre Dame in the Gator Bowl. And I agree with everything Matt said. Like, Shane Beamer, perfect guy for South Carolina. How can you not be rooting for the guy? Um, I got a soft spot in my heart for Shane Beamer, and I hope he continues to have success. I don't want him to obviously beat Florida, but I hope he continues to have success. And I got to give him an A minus because, like I said, those last two games and the way that that year ended for me knocks out anything that was inconsistent and bad in the front half of the year. So, Beamer balls in full effect. I got an A minus for the Gamecocks in Columbia. I think if I was going to grade Shane Beamer, it would be an A plus. But for the South Carolina football team, they were too inconsistent. I'm going to go back. I'm going to say B minus, actually. A little bit lower than what you guys are saying. Mostly because of the inconsistencies. They started the season really bad the first four weeks. I mean, they had the losses to Georgia, the loss to Arkansas. Um, Started off one and two. They were down two against Georgia State in the third quarter. Um, And then against Charlotte, they were only up three at halftime against Charlotte. So they were playing really bad football. Come week five, turn it around, start to play well. They beat the crap out of SC State. Uh, They beat Kentucky, who was ranked 13 at the time. They beat Texas A&M. And then they turn around and lose to Missouri at home, ranked number 25. And they lost by 13. They didn't even lose by like three at the last second. Turn around, beat the crap out of Vandy, and then turn around again, and then get the snot beat out of them by Florida. It's like you never know what's going to happen with this team. And then they turn around the last two games of the season, beat Tennessee, completely knocked them out of playoff contention, beat Clemson, completely knocked them out of playoff contention. So it's it's just too inconsistent for me to say that they were anything above a B minus. Um, I think you could say B as well. Um, I wouldn't be too pissed off about it, but I think any higher than that's just going a little bit too high for them. They 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 have a high ceiling. I mean, Spencer Rattler's coming back next year. I could see them improving. Um, and like I said, Shane Beamer's doing a phenomenal job. I mean, what they did the first four weeks in the season, it's hard to get guys, especially kids that are under the age of, unless you're Stetson Bennett, 24. Um, to turn around and play good football after doing what they did the first couple weeks. Um, and he did that and he figured out what he needed to fix on the roster. And best of all, he fixed Spencer Rattler, who was playing awful, um, up until that SC state game. So, uh, a plus for Shane Beamer, B minus for South Carolina. Next team on our list was number two in the SEC East. We had Tennessee with Josh Heupel, Matt. Look, I'm 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 a big I'm a big Tennessee hater, but I'm gonna be honest, you know, Tennessee this year A plus, and I'm not gonna go too deep into everything. Everyone knows what Tennessee was this year. And I think we all kind of saw what they had the potential to be this year, even though they went seven and six in twenty twenty one and uh lost to Purdue in their bowl game. Like they just they, there was there was potential there though. And so coming into this year, I, I kinda had Tennessee as being I, I thought this could be the year that they broke the streak against Alabama, and they did that. Uh, Tennessee's two losses were on the road at Georgia uh, in one of the loudest games that I, and loudest environments that I've ever heard of. I mean, even people that have been going to Georgia games for years said it was the loudest they've ever heard Sanford in their life. Uh, and then on the road in Columbia – in a game that was just really, really weird. South Carolina was unbelievable on offense. They couldn't do anything wrong. Tennessee couldn't 
figure out how to score. Like it was, it was just a weird game. Those are the only two losses that Tennessee had. They finished the year with Joe Milton at quarterback and beat Clemson in the Orange Bowl very handily. Like they dominated that game. Uh, they made it pretty uninteresting for the most part. Uh, so look, there's nothing in my opinion that you can give Tennessee other than an A plus for what they did this year, for where that program has been the past 10, 15 years. Uh, they've been in, in, in the doldrums for the most part. Uh, it hasn't been great. Tennessee fans, uh, have been dying to get back to national relevance and they were there this year. You know, they had the one loss at the end of the year against South Carolina that knocked them out of playoff contention. But you're talking about a team that was 7-6 and six the year before that had the ability to – that was even in the playoff conversation uh, the next to last week of the season. So, to me, Tennessee, A-plus, very simple. Um, you know, Josh Heupel, excellent job. Hendon Hooker, phenomenal season. Jalen Hyatt, phenomenal year. No more to say, Tennessee A-plus. Once again, I'm just going to repeat everything Matt says and try to talk and make it sound different, like I'm actually coming up with real facts that are real surprising. But no, I mean, Matt's right. It's an A+. Plus. What, do you, what is there really to say about Tennessee? Hendon Hooker, Jalen Hyatt, uh, what Josh Heupel was able to do with that offense and, and their ability to just go down the field like a lightning strike. I mean, they'd hand the ball. They could hand the ball off on one play get three yards on a run, and then boom, 70 yards over the top. Like, he just had that ability to do it all year. The only time they weren't able to do it was against South Carolina, and that game is, frankly, an anomaly. Um, you know, as far as the Georgia game goes to cover their other loss, what's there to say, man? I mean, Georgia, that game was in, that game was in Athens, okay? We'll see how it is next year in Neyland with a lesser experienced quarterback on both sides of the ball. But I can guarantee you that game already, this is going to be college game day. That game is going to be at 3.30 uh, Eastern time, 2.30 Central time on CBS. And Neyland is going to be loud. Circle your calendars. I'm telling you that right now. It is January 17th, 2023. It's a Tuesday. It's 8.59 p.m. As I sit here in my apartment, I can tell you that Tennessee, Georgia, is going to be one of the biggest games of the year next year. Looking at it right now. Um but, yeah, man, A-plus. A I mean, what do you have to say about Tennessee that wasn't positive other than those two games? Two really tough road environments. Other than that, Tennessee handled their business. They finally ended the streak against Alabama. I know Matt probably didn't want me to bring that up, but that was huge for them, a huge step in the direction of national prominence for that program. And seeing the way that that fan base reacted to them all year, it can only help them in recruiting and can only help whatever collective they've got going on behind the scenes of NIL. Um, and I actually really think their Orange Bowl win over Clemson was huge. I, I honestly looked at that game, and I know I don't think we predicted it on the show, um, but to me, that game against Clemson was an opportunity for Tennessee to kind of say, we've arrived. And I think they did, and they did it in dominant fashion because they did it against a Clemson team that had Kate Klubnick at the helm, who's going to be the quarterback going forward for Clemson next year. Uh, so that was huge. I think that Orange Bowl win was massive, especially after the way that the South Carolina game derailed their season. So A-plus for Tennessee. I'm not going to give away what I think they're going to do next year. So A-plus. Once again, if I'm grading Josh Heupel, A+. Tennessee, if not for the loss to South Carolina, I would give them an A+. But the loss to South Carolina, even though it was just one game, and Matt was right, it was black magic. It was not South Carolina being a better football team than Tennessee because Tennessee was a better football team all season long um, and probably would have had a good chance to go to the playoff if they would have won that game. Uh, but they did drop that game. Uh, they did get beat by Georgia in Athens. Uh, pretty handedly and honestly I'm with Matt I think if not for the atmosphere in Athens of that game I don't think Georgia wins the way they do um, and I completely agree as a Georgia fan that was one of the loudest games I wasn't there but even on TV that I've ever seen um, watching Georgia games that one and then probably Notre Dame 2019 were the two loudest um, but the one thing Josh Heupel did that the last six Tennessee head coaches could not do is beat Alabama um, even though it was by three points, it was in a shootout game um, after blowing a huge lead 
but they still did it. They did it. They knocked down the goalpost. They rushed the field. They had that whole moment, and it was incredible. He had Hendon Hooker, who was a complete loser at Virginia Tech, come to Tennessee, did well last year, and this year, if he doesn't get hurt in the South Carolina game, he probably would have won the Heisman. They might have thrown him out just because they lost that game, and a lot of times if you have one bad loss, they just kind of throw you away from the Heisman contention. Uh, but I would say if I had to pick a player up until that week of the season to win the Heisman Trophy, it probably would have been Hidden Hooker. Um, so Josh Heupel did an incredible job. Tennessee did a great job. And honestly, all season long, I was saying, I don't think they're going to do very well next year because they have so many guys leaving. But after watching them in the Orange Bowl, I don't see them taking a step back at all. But we'll talk about that later on, as Chad said. So moving on to our second to last team, we have the Kentucky Wildcats, uh, coached by Mark Stoops. Matt, what do you think? You know, I'm going to be a little harsh on Kentucky. I'm going to give Kentucky uh, a D. Because coming into this season, Kentucky, all that we heard about with Kentucky was Will Levis and how good Will Levis was. And he's a, the, he was a prospect, like one of the, the highly touted prospect for the NFL this upcoming year. And that Kentucky was going to be the contender that was going to for for Georgia and all that Kentucky did was go 3 and 5 in the SEC and you know starting off the year I thought that they were going to be they, they were pretty good uh they beat Florida uh coming off of Florida's big win against Utah which was looking back and in, insane considering what Utah did and where Florida was at the end of the year uh, but Florida comes off of a massive win against Utah, and then Kentucky goes into the swamp and beats Florida. I thought that was a huge win, but then it, it it all started to go downhill for Kentucky. Starting in Oxford, Mississippi, the game I attended, lost for Kentucky there, lost to South Carolina. They beat Mississippi State, but then they got obliterated by Tennessee. Should have lost to Missouri, but they they ended up you know salvaging that. Get obliterated. They, they didn't get obliterated, but they got beat by Vandy. Lose to Georgia. It just was not. It was just not a good Kentucky team. And for what we were told, Kentucky was going to be this year. Kentucky was going to be the second best team in the East, third at worst. They were nowhere near that, especially after the Ole Miss game. After they lost to Ole Miss, it almost seemed like most of the team just kind of quit. And given where Ole Miss ended the season and where Kentucky ended the season, I still think that was just a, a, a it was a good matchup. Uh, but Kentucky was just not very good this year. And finishing the year seven and six, getting shut out by Iowa in the bowl game. Will Levis, obviously, I mean, I I'll, going into the into the Ole Miss game, I was like, I don't really see the pro prospect stuff. I mean, I don't get it. I mean, I see it. He's got the arm. He's got it all there. I just I still don't know that he's a good enough quarterback to elevate everybody around him. Um, overall, though, to me, Kentucky was just a D. I mean, that you, you can't have that much energy and enthusiasm building around a program to the point where even basketball and football, they were kind of come to a head and Basketball was saying, oh, yeah, you know, we're, we're starting to lose out on NIL because everyone's flocking to football. And then you go seven and six. Like, I, I just I, I thought that this was one of uh, Mark Stoops' worst years coaching. And I thought that this was going to be a year that maybe he considered leaving Kentucky because he had kind of maximized his potential there. But uh, obviously he didn't. And uh, but yeah, Kentucky D not not a good year for them. Yeah, I'm going to give I'm going to give Kentucky a C. Uh, Matt's right. Coming into this year, we heard a lot about how Kentucky was going to be a contender in the East and Kentucky might be a threat to Georgia. And, and this is the year like Will Levis, he's going to be a first round quarterback, might even be the first quarterback taken in the draft. And let me just be the first one to tell you that everybody, if you listen to the episode a few weeks ago, everybody knows how my feelings were on Sean Clifford. Um, if you couldn't beat out Sean Clifford at Penn State, you're not worthy of being a top 10 draft pick in the National Football League. Don't know what all these intangibles that these scouts are seeing and Will Levis are, but I'm not seeing them. Um, either way, I, I mean, Will Levis was overhyped. Kentucky's offense was overhyped. 
I mean, this is a Kentucky team. You want me to just give you a padlock stat uh, for Kentucky's entire season? Kentucky as a team on offense, 34.1% third down conversions. That means they weren't staying on the field. They couldn't score points half the time. Let me just read off some score totals for you. 26 against Florida. 19 against Ole Miss, 14 against South Carolina, 6 against Tennessee, only 21 against Missouri, 21 and a loss to Vanderbilt, 6 against Georgia, none against Iowa in the Music City Bowl to end out the season. Just inconsistencies all over the board. And now I know Will Levis wasn't healthy for most of the year, but okay, Will Levis was healthy. Let's be honest, and this this may be a biased take, but because I sat there and I watched the, I watched the whole Florida game. And again, this may sound biased because I'm a Florida fan. I didn't think Kentucky's offense played that great that night. Anyway, Florida handed them a lot of opportunities, and it's just—I mean, this is the same team that, when ranked eighth in the country, beat Northern Illinois at home by eight, and, and turned the ball over when it mattered the most against Ole Miss on the road. And it just look, I have all the world, I have all the respect in the world for Mark Stoops and what he's done at Kentucky. I think he might be the best coach in the history of Kentucky football, and if not, in our lifetime at least. But but this year was a massive disappointment for Kentucky, for a lot of people. Now, for me, if you want my honest opinion, 7-5 and five regular season, that's about where Kentucky that's about where Kentucky should be. It's not like they recruit at, at, at an elite clip that should put them in contention for – for the East alongside Florida, Tennessee, Georgia, whoever. Like, they're just not. If you want my frank, honest opinion, they should be a lower tier than South Carolina in the East. But a lot of hype coming into the year. Didn't live up to it. Um, very, very disappointing season for Kentucky. But And losing to Iowa, getting shut out, kind of caps it off. Caps off the way their season went. Just a massive disappointment and, and, and no offense to speak of for Kentucky at all. So I'm going to give them a C. Yeah, I'm kind of in agreement with you guys. Um, the only reason I'm going to give Kentucky a C as well, um, honestly, I, I think they're more on the same range as where Matt is. But Kentucky, at the beginning of the season, got all the way to number seven. And they were ranked in the top ten for three weeks. It's not like they got ranked and then they turned around and lost a really bad game. They played pretty well early on. Um, and then Will Levis had his injuries. They started to dwindle down a little bit, start to not play as well. Um, and then he came back, and even when he came back, you could tell he wasn't playing the same way he was at the beginning of the season. Am I saying Will Levis is a first-round pick quarterback? No, but he's definitely better than the loser they stuck out there as a backup. That guy was awful. I don't know if you guys watched him against Iowa. That was the worst quarterback game I've seen since the guy that took over for Dylan Gabriel for Oklahoma played against Texas in the Red River rivalry. That was terrible. That was That was actually the worst quarterback game I've ever seen by a quarterback not named Nathan Peterman in the NFL. <laughs> and uh, But Kentucky, you guys are right. I mean, they were a disappointment for sure. 7-5 is a disappointment, but it's the same as like Missouri. It's the same as, for me, South Carolina. It's just inconsistent, and that's why I have them at C. 7-5 and five typically is a pretty good season at Kentucky. They were a projected 10-win team. I had them winning nine games. They were supposed to go 9-3 and three for me, um, and they did not, so... C instead of a B because of that. Um, but, I mean, Mark Soups is a great coach. I think they're right back next year, especially with Devin Leary coming on to take Will Levis' spot. So, last but not least, uh, our boy Chad's team. we got the Florida Gators. As I mentioned in my Kentucky take with, with Florida because Kentucky beat Florida. And if Florida starts off the year against Utah in the swamp and gets a massive win to start off the Billy Napier era. And, you know, I, I sat back and looked at, at Florida the preseason and said, you know, they could be an eight-win team. I kind of capped them at, at seven or eight wins. Um, but eight and four seemed pretty realistic, depending on a few games. Um, Florida, to me, though, like at the beginning of the year, was playing so well. And, and they never quit for Billy Napier until the bowl game. So I'm I'm gonna give Florida a B minus, which might be looked at as a little high. But coming into the year, I thought that they'd be a seven eight win team, depending upon a couple of things. What was Anthony Richardson going to do? 
you know, Billy Napier was going to be putting his stamp on Florida as a team. And overall, like I, I thought for the most part, Florida played well until the, the second half of the year after the LSU game, it kind of went downhill. They beat South Carolina who was playing really well at the end of the year. The Vanderbilt game is the one head scratcher to me. I, I don't understand that, that game at all. And then they played really well against Florida State, who had a phenomenal season. Uh, Florida State has kind of been dubbed as, as the team that's that's taken that step forward to compete with Clemson next year to take over as the ACC Kings. And they had a really good year this year. And Florida was – I mean, that game was back and forth the whole game. Obviously, the bowl game went the way that it did. Florida had a ton of opt-outs. They were on a third-string walk-on quarterback who probably hadn't gotten any reps. Um, There was a lot of opt-outs. There was, you know, Florida was kind of a mess in the bowl game, so I'm not going to hold that against them. Three and five regular season in the SEC for Florida isn't good, but given where they were coming off of where Dan Mullen had them, and then going into this year, I thought Florida was very much on par with where they should be. So I'm going to give them, I think they're in that, they're very much, they're like, an, a, they're a 79.5. They're a 79.5. So it rounds up to be a B, but it's really a C plus. Um, that, that's kind of Florida in a nutshell this past season to me. So for me, Florida, um, like everybody knows, I had them going six and six before the season. Uh, everyone knows of me and Chad's famous bet we had going. I did end up winning. Um, but Florida honestly did exactly what they thought they would do. They would go six and six, um, but I thought they would impress throughout the season. And if you look back on their schedule, in two of their losses against the better teams on their schedule, against LSU and against Tennessee, they had the ball at the end of the game to go down and either tie it or go down and win. Um, against Tennessee, if they would have gotten the two-point conversion on that last touchdown before they got the onside kick, they were in field goal range. It would have been a really long field goal, and more than likely, Florida's kicker, whose name I don't even know, probably would have pulled a Noah Ruggles and shanked it into the stands. But they were on the Tennessee 39-yard line. That's at least a chance to tie the game. Could have taken it to overtime. Tennessee ended up going 10-2. and We just talked about them. They were a great team. They were a win of over South Carolina away from probably making the playoff. Um, and Florida, at the beginning of the season, was right there with them. Um, I thought all year they played tough. I thought line of scrimmage-wise, they looked a whole lot better, um, especially running the ball. I mean, uh, Etienne, Travis Etienne's brother, whose name I always forget, Trevor Etienne, is phenomenal. Um, Anthony Richardson, at times, looked really good. And honestly, I, I think if he was coming back next year, Florida – once again, would look a lot better, might even challenge for the East, but he is not. And I think unless it's somebody besides Graham Mertz at quarterback, we'll see. But Florida seems to be on the upswing. It seems like the feel around the program is a lot better than when Dan Mullen was there. I'm going to give him a B, uh, well, B minus at least, because um, I think they did what they were supposed to do. I think they're moving in the right direction. I like the way they're playing football, tough defense, strong offensive line. Um, if they can continue to build on that, I see Billy Napier doing big things, unfortunately. But we'll see. Chad, what do you think? <sighs> that's my that's my that's my Florida fan side. I don't think that's um, a letter. No. And by the way, I have not forgotten about our eighty dollars. I just haven't paid you yet. But <laughs> but I'm actually gonna go lower. Believe it or not, I'm going to go lower than what you guys said. I'm going to give Napier a C plus, which is not that much lower than a B minus, but but I got to give it a C plus. Look, as a Florida fan, at six and seven, I'm not as disappointed as you would think I would be. Last year, after the, after the trajectory that Dan Mullen had us on, from the progression from ten and three to eleven and two to eight and one before the famous shoe throw and the Eastern division champions like 2021 was a massive disappointment for Florida. But in the, but at the end of the day, I think it was, it was good that it happened because it exposed a lot of things internally that were wrong with our program and our culture. And 
my opinion of Billy Napier has not changed. From everything that I hear and read and am in touch with on pretty much a, a daily basis, his hold on the program is that everyone around there believes in him. He has the locker room. He's recruiting. And now our class sits at 13 right now, but I don't think we're done. And the only reason that our class fell on National Signing Day is just because other teams climbed. We had pretty much had our class locked up in that spot. And at one point we're sitting as high as seven. So, you know, take what you will little point systems here and there on 24 seven with our recruiting class. But, but the season as a whole, I really thought we'd go eight and four. I really, really thought we'd go eight and four. I, I thought that we could get the Kentucky game back. And I thought that obviously we were going to beat Vanderbilt. I, I, I cannot, other than, other than penalties, because really penalties and, and boneheaded, mistakes that you would have seen from a Dan Mullen team is what cost us the Vanderbilt game. I really thought, like I said, I really thought we were going to win the Kentucky game, but Anthony, Anthony Richardson went from looking like a Heisman contender to a Sean Clifford type quarterback in the span of a week. And, uh, you know, I can't really explain that one. Um, But overall, I'm not as disappointed as you think I would be with six and seven, the bowl game, whatever. You know, whatever. Like Matt said, throw that one out the window. We had a lot of opt-outs. We had Jack Miller playing quarterback, and Jack Miller's not even going to contend for the starting job, I don't think, in the spring. I think Graham Mertz is going to come in and start for a year, and then we'll we'll probably bring in another recruit to replace Jalen Rashada, depending on what happens with that. Um, and then it'll be his to take over. And once you start to see Billy Napier get his guys in, that's when I think you'll see the tides turn. I think – you know, it's a little bit of a disappointing year, but it's not as disappointing as you normally would be because I think the one po- one of the biggest positives I can take away is culture change. And it's like Matt said, not once did Florida quit like they would have on Dan Mullen and like we saw them do on Dan Mullen in 2020 and 2021. They never quit. They played tough through the end of the year. They just they have some learning mistakes. Um that they made some growing pains that they went through and, and Billy Napier is a positive thing. He kicked Brenton Cox off the team. He kicked multiple guys off the team and told them to hit the road because if you were not going to be locked in to the change at the university of Florida with this culture and this coaching staff, good riddance. And I love that about Napier. He's cleaning out the culture, instilling his culture. And I think we'll be fine in the future, but lost some games. I thought we should have won this year. Other than that, pretty much on par with what I thought. I thought we'd be eight and four. Didn't happen. Wit, you're going to get your $80 eventually. But C-plus for Billy Napier, you know, culture and recruiting is the biggest thing right now that we have to focus on if you're a Florida fan. So C-plus for my Gators. Chad, I actually completely forgot you hadn't paid me yet. I thought you did pay me. So you you, you caught yourself 80 bucks, my friend. I'm going to pay you. I haven't forgot. I know. I know. Well, anyway, let's go ahead and end the show with a pour one out, cut them off segment. Matt, who's your pour one out this week? You know, I'm pouring one out for college baseball because we got the the top 25 released today. Uh, and it was actually really cool. D1 baseball, uh, four of the top five from the SEC, seven of the top 10 from the SEC. It just goes to show you that SEC baseball is where it's at. I mean, everyone knows that SEC baseball is tough. Uh, but if you play in the SEC, every weekend conference series is a super regional. You play in a super regional every single weekend. And now in in some ways that can be an advantage because you know what the gauntlet is and what it's going to be. And in other ways, it's a disadvantage because you get no weekends off. There's never that one weekend where you say, all right, cool, we're going to coast and and we get to just cruise. Um, college baseball coming up. Uh, maybe I'll be able to do we'll, – we'll do a preview episode or something for that once, once we get closer to the season. Uh, but, look, top four – Gonna be a gonna be an interesting year. LSU had the number one recruiting class. Tommy White, Tommy Tanks, moving from uh, NC State to LSU. They got a couple of other big transfers. Ole Miss uh, went into the transfer portal and added a pitcher from Tulane. Added the first baseman from Northwestern. 
they're returning their middle infield and their outfield. So uh, going to be an interesting year in, in the SEC for college baseball. And I am cutting off message boards because, holy cow, man, like, Last week, with all the Jaden Rashada drama that was going on, there was message boards that it just seems like everybody on a message board has little to no clue, but they want the notoriety of breaking a story. And so you got to be careful if you're a part of a message board community when it comes to recruiting, whether it's uh, no, no matter what it is, uh, you figure out your sources that know what they're talking about on that are beat writers and you can follow them and you don't have to pay for the message board and you can still get a little bit of the information. Sometimes you miss out on some good stuff. Um, you know, overall though, you just, I just got to cut off the message boards. Uh, I will say for months there have been message boards that have been saying like Pete Golding was going to leave and go to Ole Miss. Apparently they nailed the, you know, they nailed that one. Pete Golding to Ole Miss, uh, shout out to him. Uh, for getting a DC job in a place where it's probably going to be a little bit better of a fit for him. But, you know, I, I just, all the Jane Rashada drama is what brought this up because last week they said he asked out of his uh, NLI. Tonight it was reported by 24 7 and pretty much everyone else that he officially asked out of his NLI. So, message boards, you're cut off. You're good for recruiting occasionally, but other than that, you're just a toxic environment for fans to sit around and create rumors and lies and such like that. So, yeah, you're done. Chad. So I'm going to pour one out for mine and Matt's high school alma mater. Um, South Effingham High School, home of the Mustangs in good old Guyton, Georgia. Um, no, I do not carry any kind of school pride um, for going there. And, you know, I'll let Matt speak for himself, but I don't think he does either. I have no love lost for my hometown. However, I do still have family there. And my little brother is currently a senior there. Uh, he is on the, he was on the football team that that season ended. So he's no longer playing football in high school, but he is on the wrestling team and the South Effingham high school Mustangs are on their way to Gainesville, Georgia this Saturday afternoon, or excuse me, this coming Saturday afternoon, uh, to compete for the Georgia High School Association Class 6A Team State Championships. They are in the Elite Eight. Uh, they have a very good chance, if you want my honest opinion, of, of winning it. Firmly expect a North Forsyth, South Effingham final um, on Saturday, but pouring one out for my little brother and the South Effingham High School wrestling team for making it to state uh, really, really have enjoyed getting to spend the last like three or four weeks at home watching him and, and being there and being a part of that for him. It's been really special for me. Um, and I've loved every bit of it. I can't actually be there this weekend. I hate that part, but rooting for him. And I hope they bring a state title back to uh, South Effingham high school for team wrestling class six a, and I am cutting off those people. And let me explain what I mean. I'm going to be quick about it. But you ever go to your local game, you know, just 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 picture this like you. You live. So I live in Evans, Georgia, the suburb of Augusta. If You know where that is. You go to your local Augusta Green Jackets minor league baseball game during the during the summer, just a casual night out. You don't really have a lot invested in the team. You hope they win. You know, it's your local team, but it is what it is. They're a minor league team. It's no big deal. But you have those people that go to games and act like those people. I'm going to share my experience. So two weeks ago, I went back home to watch my little brother wrestle. And I went to a Savannah Ghost Pirates game. Uh, it's the new East Coast Hockey League, uh, which is the AA of the NHL in Savannah. Brand new team, brand new arena. I enjoyed myself. What I did not enjoy was the people sitting next to me who were yelling at the referees and getting belligerently drunk and doing all the chants and this and that and the other and, and questioning hockey rules. And I knew that these people were clearly native Savannians because they seem like those people who just get so invested in what the town has to offer. We're going to be a part of our local community in this team. Don't be those people. Do not be those people. Hear me out. 
they were – they do not know the rules of hockey because at some points during the game, they looked over to me because they were drunk and wanted to have conversation, and I was, I'm a good person, so I was nice, and I had to explain hockey rules to them. And I'm no expert on hockey, especially minor league hockey. I don't know who these, these players are. I'm not even sure if I know who the Ghost Pirates affiliate NHL team is. But you know what? I went because I wanted to see it, enjoyed myself. But those people ruined the experience, yelling at the referees when they don't know rules of hockey. And everyone who's ever been to a local, you know, local sporting event for their minor league team in their mid-sized city, you know what I'm talking about. It doesn't matter if you're watching the Savannah Ghost Pirates. It doesn't matter if you're watching the Charleston River Dogs or the Augusta Green Jackets or any minor league team or sport or whatever you can think of. There's always those people at those games heckling, being belligerent, and being annoying and ruining my Saturday night out. So I'm cutting off those people. Don't be those people. Wit, who are you pouring one out for? Before Wick goes, the Ghost Pirates are a uh, affiliate of the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Thank so, you. You're, you're welcome. Matt doesn't even live in Savannah anymore, and neither do I. But Matt's more in tune than I am. Well, I just keep up. I keep up with the old with the Ghost Pirates. I thought it was at first of all awesome uniforms, awesome mascot, awesome name. I mean, the, the Ghost Pirates is sick for a minor league uh, hockey team. I think we need to set aside five minutes each week just for Chad to go on a random rant. Uh, about something he doesn't enjoy. It's like it's like Peter Griffin on Family Guy. You know what really grinds my gears? You know, you know what really you know what really grinds my gears? People who go to games and they want to yell stuff. Why can't you just sit there and be quiet and enjoy the damn game? So for me, I, I'm pouring one out for Georgia rivals. Uh, actually, pretty much the entire SEC East as well, um, because. As a lot of people have heard, Georgia had a pretty bad tragedy happen uh, a couple of days ago. Devin Willick, who was a guard for the team, number 77, and a recruiting analyst whose name, I believe, was Chandler LaCroix. Yes. And uh, they both died in a car accident the night of the championship celebration. Uh, I think it was like at 3 a.m. or something like that. Apparently, they ran off the road and ran into a power line. Um yeah, just horrible, horrible tragedy. But on Twitter, you had all these different programs coming together, sending their condolences to Georgia. Um, if you look on here, I mean, Kentucky, they had their program. Their program Twitter sent something. Georgia Tech did it as well. Auburn did it as well. Clark Lee from Vanderbilt did it. Uh, Florida, the page for Florida sent something. Uh, so everybody was coming together to – Send their condolences to Georgia and the Georgia football family and Devin Willick and Chandler LaCroix's family. So you, you got to pour one out for that. Um, apparently Chandler LaCroix, I think she was on some like driving um, driving list for like if players were to go out and drink and needed a ride home, she would pick them up. So I, I'm not sure exactly what happened beyond that, uh, but that's the, that's what I've heard. And they, uh, they ended up losing their lives. So definitely a sad story. Um, I'm going to be cutting off L.A. tailgating uh, because for the national championship game, we didn't get a chance to talk about this either. They completely cut off any tailgating around the entire stadium. So any tailgating that was done for that game was done blocks and blocks away um, or was done at the bars in L.A., uh, which which really sucks, especially for teams like TCU who have this awesome, awesome tailgating experience. Same with Georgia, SEC football team. Uh, playing in the biggest game of the year in the national championship. Game didn't even start till. Well, I, was, I mean, it was 8 p.m. our time, or uh, yeah, it was 8 p.m. our time. So I guess it was what 5 p.m. their time. So I guess it was a little early, but still, um, definitely. You know, you you can't take away tailgating from college football fans. So you you got to cut off LA for that one. Thank you guys so much for tuning into Rowdy Southern Saturday. If you enjoyed the episode, please give us a five star rating on Spotify and Apple Music, and follow our social media at Rowdy Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.